Welcome back to the Film Hall Podcast. I'm Trevor. And I'm Raul. I'm a filmmaker. And I'm a traveler. You are a traveler this week. You're here mm-hmm. in the studio with the original Film Hole cast. In the original Film Hole studio. Historic. Yeah. You know, a lot of great podcasts have been recorded here. Joe Rogan comes here. He's been here. He, yeah. He's done. Those are first few episodes when he started up. Right. He this was in his Fear Factor days. Right. So you can't find those episodes online if you wanted to. But it, it happened. And it wasn't quite a podcast episode per se. It was just that before Trevor got security cameras, what he would do is that when he had people come over to clean his apartment, he would just keep the microphone on. Right. And try to catch, you know, shenanigans. Right. Yeah. And then I would anonymously post it on public freakout Reddit, subreddit. Right. And back then, I used to say, every week we watch a movie. And then we talk about it. And this week we watched. This week is no exception, despite the, the kind of mix up in the schedules and and routine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, aside from the, with the routine being thrown off, we're still basically, we're here watching movies. Right. So, we're like, that's part of like our thing that we do together anyways, even if we're not remote. We just watch movies together. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of what we did when we were in, uh, like when we lived together. Oh, we yeah. Roommates. Oh, yeah. Watched a lot of movies just mm-hmm. in our apartment. Yeah, so um, I think last night we got to talking about what movies we could watch, and I brought up Sorry to Bother You. Right. Which, um, unfortunately, I can't really speak too well about right now. I don't know who directed it. I don't know any of their names. You want to pull that kind of info up? Yeah. You want to go to Wikipedia or IMDb? Wikipedia. It's more readable. So, let's see. Directed by uh, Boots Riley. I say we literally just rip off like the summary of the Wikipedia. What's he known for? Boots Riley? Born in Chicago. Worked with Tom Morello. Rage Against. He's not like a director. He's like a an artist, hmm. activist. Yeah, a, or a musician. Self-proclaimed. He's an American rapper, producer, screenwriter, film director, and communist activist. What does communist activist mean? Um, Someone like a proponent of communism, or <laughs> sure, huh? Let's get it here, folks. Anyways, let's go back to the movie at hand here. Man, nobody's been gun ho for communism since like the twenties. Yeah. I guess that means we're overdue. Yeah. Cyclical. Communism's coming back in a big way. Mm-hmm. Communism is hot this year. Yeah, but like for no good reason. We nobody's should... <laughs> nobody's really talking about communism. We should it. do like uh like a BuzzFeed like top ten list of like forms of government. <laughs> This week's like top 10 hottest governments. Next week, do top 10 religions. Yeah. Just like really big, like historical, like civilization, like foundation stuff (laughs) in top 10 list form. Top 10 races. Number one, (laughs) something like super obscure. Native Alaskans. Yeah. Something super obscure. Top 10 uh, uh, mammals. Humans are not on top. 
What's the number well, one? Well, I don't know what. Like, What's the best mammal? The good thing about humans is not, you know, our capa- any capacity within, you know, it's not that we're a fantastic mammal. So that's like not the thing we're good at. What does it mean to be a fantastic mammal? That you do all the mammal things really good. What are the mammal attributes? You grow hair all over your body. You grow hair, so we've lost already. And then you... uh, Reproduce sexually. You give milk to your offspring through a teat. Mm -hmm. We're not great at that either. I think cows have a speed. Cows are such good mammals. We're mostly mostly drinking from other teats of other mammals. Right. Yeah. That's how, you know, beta mammals we are, that we have to rely on the alpha mammals. Right. So, that being said, who's the best mammal? I think it's cows, dude. I think cows. Yeah. Just because of the milk thing. I think the milk thing kind of cinches it. (laughs) I'm, I'm all for it. Cows. Cows. Best mammal of 2020. You heard it here, folks. Okay, back to the movie, though. Sorry to Bother You is a 2018 American black comedy drama film written and directed by Boots Riley in his directorial debut. It stars Lakeith Stanfield. Is and is that the guy from Uncut Gems and I assume so, the lead. Yeah. Uh stars Yeah, so it's the guy from Get Out. Yeah. Or not not the guy from Get Out, but a smaller role in Get Out. Yeah. Lakeith Stanfield, Tessa Thompson, Jermaine Fowler, some others, and Army Hammer. The film follows a young black telemarketer who adopts a white accent to succeed at his job. Swept into a corporate conspiracy, he must choose between profit and joining his activist friends to organize labor. That is a great non-spoiler way of describing the movie. Yeah, it makes it seem like a normal movie, really, mm-hmm. which it's not. It is not a normal movie. That's the spoiler right there. We've already spoiled. We spoiled it by saying it's not normal. Yeah. Why is it not normal? Well, the movie. I'm just gonna like get into it. You know, spoiler alert. But the whole, you know, the climax of the movie is that this corporation. That has been like low key, you know, re enslaving poor people in America through kind of like it's this kind of like cult thing where you join them and they house you and feed you in exchange for, you know, you give basically all your autonomy as a worker to them. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, I made the comparison to a Vault Tech from the Fallout uh-huh. games. I would say it even it like aesthetically looks very similar. Yeah, we got like uniforms on. It's like, even like the col- the color palette is like like baby blue and yellow. Yeah, which yeah. is the Vault Tech color palette. This plot point is very similar to um, a Philip K. Dick novel and then the movie that they made with the rotoscope, a scanner darkly. Mm-hmm. They, they have like the exact same thing going on, but instead of like it's for the poor people, it's for uh, to rehab rehab rehabilitate rehabilitate. Got it. Drug addicts. Mm. Um, there's like like one drug that's like the crux of the whole movie and it's the exact same thing it's like exploiting these people I'm not going to ruin a scanner darkly okay yeah we also just really quickly watched uh, Waking Life oh my god I forgot we watched that yeah which was the best movie to watch in our condition just unable to pay attention what condition is that Trevor Uh, just short attention span you know yeah. normal unaffected by any sort of substance short attention span i think all young people can understand yeah what we're talking about you know just that regular state of mind where you're dropping in and out of a conversation and the present moment that you're in we all know what that feels like <laughs> to quote a friend of mine justin <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I didn't even get to like the, the big thing. So this corporation that's like um, obviously evil, you know, they're the bad guys of the movie. It turns out they have this like evil plot to like genetically engineer people and turn them into horses. <laughs> so kind of like three fourths like through the movie. That's uh, like the big twist. That's the big twist. Like the yeah. main character like finds a horse person that looks like really grotesque. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a really crazy CGI. It's it's not CGI. It's puppets. You think it's puppets? It's a hundred percent like animatronics and puppets. Okay. It's all like practical, which is why they look so like viscerally realistic and uh-huh. disturbing. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to pull off that same effect with CGI, I don't think, especially whenever this was made, 2012, 2018, 18. 2018. Even then, you know, we, we're not there yet. Okay. There. That's there. How I said, that's how I said that. But continue. So they discover some horse people. Yeah. And that's basically, I mean, that's the big spoiler. Mm-hmm. And we should just talk about, like, the movie as a whole. I don't remember a whole lot of like the the big plot points. It's when that first horse showed up where I was like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> you really zoomed in." Yeah. Yeah. Cuz it it's like kind of this uh I would say the style at least, like maybe the plot itself isn't super surreal, but like uh the style in which it presents the plot to you seems pretty like unrealistic. Like one of the the recurring things that happens is he's a telemarketer and he show uh when he calls people it's like his desk is like in the room with them and he's interacting with people mm-hmm. really this really cool like v- uh visual motif that keeps happening with all the calls that he makes but there's stuff like that throughout the movie that makes this movie not seem like it's fully grounded in in reality it's definitely not a normal movie mm-hmm. for that reason uh but after the horse thing showed up i was like really paying trying to pay attention to like all of those like bigger plot points yeah it's not a movie that follows like the traditional you know set up build climax and then kind of like get you know level off again towards the end of the movie i would describe the narrative arc of this movie as sort of like a roller coaster that kind of just keeps building yes (laughs) yeah that's a good way of putting it because like you kind of think at first you're getting into like some sort of uh rom-com like climbing the corporate ladder mm-hmm. type of movie um there's definitely some stuff about like i think the whole subtext of the movie is about race right mm-hmm. so you you kind of think you're watching like an just like a normal like run-of-the-mill like racial activism film but, or maybe like, more to the point like urban poor or i think it's more about like you know the poverty and sure. you know economic systems and yeah i mean all all of that stuff like wrapped into into one thing yeah. right it's like this guy pulling himself up from his bootstraps and finding out that the corporate world is not exactly like what like the the higher life is like not exactly like what he wanted and he left his like other friends behind uh <clears throat> i don't know where i was going with that but it's like it 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 makes you feel like it might be that type of movie. And there's also this thing with his on and again, off again, girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And there's also the angle with the, um, about like labor unions. Yeah. So he like starts to go to work at this call center, which is obviously like, you know, they make it very clear that this is a very menial low level job. 
where you're basically your only value to that call center company is just how many calls you can make, you know, during the day. Um, not something that seems like super promising or has a lot of future prospects. Yeah. Um, and then there's a character that comes in basically this, I, I forget what you call these people, but the guy that was trying to create the labor union within he's like the an, company, he's like an organizer, like, like a labor organizer. Yeah. So this guy that like literally that's what he does. We find that out later in the movie that that's his like main thing. Mm-hmm. Got a job at this phone call company and then um, proceeded to try to, you know, rile mm-hmm. people up to form. He wants to unionize them. He wants his, to unionize. He, yeah. His whole like uh, goal is to unionize this telemarketing group of people. Mm-hmm. And it, from what I understand, like the telemarketing company, which is called, what's it called? Free something. It has a name anyways, but it, it, it seems like there's all kinds of different economic like uh, levels to it. So he's initially part of like the lowest income part of like the telemarketing pool. Mm-hmm. But like the ecosystem of telemarketers goes all the way up this literal skyscraper where at the top there are these, uh, what do they call them? Power callers? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Power callers. And like you think about l- normal like telemarketing people as, you know, selling you whatever, like medicine or like some new like product and at the top they're dealing with like arms like international like arms yeah, deals yeah. or uh like bigger trade deals with other co- with other countries and like they're obviously like making like way more money which is not how the real world works at all but it's just like this funny like this funny concept of reality where it's just like telemarketing is like the main way to push products uh-huh or just the idea that like this one company would have so many like layers to it yeah that they got like the whole thing covered like from just cold calling people to sell them life insurance to like distributing arms to other countries and criminal organizations yeah i really like that structure and really the movie could just be about that yes like if you took the horse thing out of it that's a fantastical enough idea yeah and you think that's what this movie does like the whole time just misdirection and you think it's going to be about you know they set up Every every minute of the movie, the movie has been set up to be a movie that it ended up not being. This is that, that constant acceleration and raising of the stakes that I'm talking about. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I think the movie is great, but I, it's hard to, like, tell right at the end if the movie is, like, communicating exactly, like, what it wants me to hear mm-hmm. because it, it makes so many jumps like in the plot and it's overall messaging and maybe it's just like it's all connected but you as a viewer are so like whiplashed by like what you're seeing on screen it's hard to like really dig into the sub into the subtext yeah because you're just the movie's like constantly changing mm-hmm. it's like a different movie like every 20 minutes it has a lot of stuff in it but it definitely is a uh, social commentary type of movie and that's like reinforced by just looking up that the director is not a uh, strictly a film guy. He mostly, does a lot of activi- activism stuff. Yeah, it seems like mostly like a, a musician and activist. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really have any film credits beyond this, at least like not notable ones. Right, right. Interesting movie. But to me, it's a movie about um, urban poverty sort of being um, economic slave is a term that I've heard thrown around. Mm. 
it's a film about race and just trying to like you know the whole like white boys thing aspect of it which is pretty funny white boys white voice white voice oh yeah 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 the it, it it's weird because like economic slave you know that's illustrated in like the lower class like telemarketing pool of people but then you have like a very like literal like no metaphor about it they're literally like mutating people into these horse things and like enslaving them like literal slaves yeah but that they're literal slaves before the horse thing i'm not really sure what the horse thing is doing for the movie except for being just like shock value because it all works without the horses i think the horse is just like a nice cherry on top it it makes it seem like the horse it sounds so stupid when they present it in the movie Mm -hmm. because it's that dumb like the ceo of the company is just like this tall, handsome, good-looking white guy. Army Hammer. Army Hammer? That's his name, yeah. Is that a name? Armin Hammer? Army Hammer. Of the Armin Hammer fortune. <laughs> um, and, and I love the way they portray him as just like this kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like not qualified. He's just dumb. Just a dumb guy who just happens to be the CEO of this company. He's like a dumb, like white elite. Incompetent. That's yeah. That's what I was looking for. Uh. But you're right. Like the horse thing doesn't do anything for the movie. Like they th- they try to explain it, and my dumb brain is definitely like trying to like figure it out and justify mm-hmm. it. I'm like, okay, like horses are like stronger, right? So like they would be more physically like adapt for like whatever kind of slave labor they're using them for. But it just it doesn't make sense at all. Why would you do that? I love <laughs> when the when we the viewer and the main character find out about the horses. It's because um, backup. Should we just? Ex- we, I think we need to explain this like horse thing a little bit more. How do you want to explain it? So it's like it's not like they are enslaving horses. They're the Vault Tech thing that we were talking about earlier. This, We've already done that. What enslaved horses? Horses are slaves. Yeah. 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 Different topic for a different podcast. Mm-hmm. Free horses. Hashtag. Uh, well, I don't know. I like the horse. I like horses the way they are. Hashtag free horses. Uh, but they're in that like vault tech environment where you relinquish all of your freedom basically for uh room and board through this company. It's commercialized slave labor, but on top of that, they're secretly manipulating like the genes of these people and mutating them into these like half horse, half person things. So imagine like Bojack Horseman if he was like a real photorealistic version of himself. Yeah, yeah. Which is extremely grotesque. Mm-hmm. And, like, the first glimpse that you get of these guys, they're, like, naked also. Right. And they're just uh, shredded. So imagine, like, a uh, a human body, like the most buff human body you've ever seen with, like, a horse head on top of it with, like, kind of a Ninja Turtles-esque at- uh, anatomy to it. Uh-huh. Like, the eyes aren't fully on the side. They're kind of in the front. It's like a half-human, half-horse head, mm. if you can imagine that. And that that's it. That's all I was trying to explain, is that the horse the horse mutation thing. Yes, I yes. Think that was clear. Um, and I love the way that they, like, present it. Like, when we found out about it, the main character, you know, he got this call center job and, like, rose through the ranks because he, um, like, really gained mastery over his white voice played by david cross and rose to the ranks by like being a really good salesman collar guy 
and eventually he got invited to this upscale party hosted by the CEO of the whole company of this thing. Or not even just of his company, but of the, the slavery company, too. Yeah, that's an important distinction, is there's the telemarketing company, and then there's this cult, super corporate vault tech company that mm-hmm. employs and slash enslaves all these people. And the relationship is, I think, that the company of the main character is just either contracted it or is in business relationship with the other company. They right. do all of their sales or marketing or whatever. This is a great like uh, example of just like how needlessly... like convoluted this movie is yes yeah need i I say needlessly but like it definitely adds to the flavor like i like it Mm -hmm. but any normal movie like you would never you would never like add this much detail right like to these characters and like place settings it's necessary you would remove those details if you're trying to make a movie about like if you took a bird's eye view of the movie and it's a movie about this company that tries to make horse slaves and all that if you're trying to make that movie you would remove all these extraneous details but if you're trying to make the movie that is, oh, you're supposed to point this at you? Yeah, it's more directional. It's very, like, directional, so you want to be, like, kind of in that narrow space that that's pointing. Okay. So you were saying. I could even take it lower if I wanted to. You could also point it up if you want to. Like, bring it below you and then point it up at your mouth. Right, that's what I was kind of trying to do. Where's the thing that makes it go down? Uh, There's multiple things. That middle one is what you can loosen. And you get it to tilt. Oh, yeah. That's great. Cool. That, no, that sounds better, actually. Yes. Okay, I want to sound better for this half of the podcast. Yeah. Can you hear that? The sniffing? Yeah. Yeah. I can. <sighs> I was listening to this like pretty amateur podcast the other okay. day. It's like a Dune. Um, just like three or four middle guys going through the books, like mm-hmm. a book club, but they made it into a podcast. It's all right. That's not that good. But one of the episodes, like one of the guys was just like <sighs> Just breathing really heavy. Really loud through the mix. I'm like, who fucking edits this? Yeah. I don't believe that a real human sat through and edit like and let this go. They might not even edit it at all, you know? You yeah, that's probably a good point. They they might not even have their shit on like separate tracks like you're supposed to. Yeah. It might just be like all of them recording into like the same mic feed. Right. Mono mic feed. What was I talking about? Horses. Horse. In some fashion. People. Um, so yeah, that's basically the movie. I mean, it's like this guy's rise, and then he finds out about the horse thing. And then the movie takes like a real like 180, and then he's like fighting the horse people. That's like the last 20 minutes or so. He who's fighting the horse people? The main character. Oh, sorry, not fighting the horse, the horses themselves. He joins forces with the horses. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, um, it tries to get, like, uh, be the newsbreaker on the story, the whistleblower. Yeah. To try to get into the media's attention. That's, like, a big, like, joke is how absurd the real thing is that they're mutating, like, people into horses and using them for slave labor. Uh Uh-huh. 
It's like what you would imagine like a crazy conspiracy theorist would say. Right, right. The it's first a, thing he does is he calls 911 uh-huh. and he's like, hey, you got to listen to me. They're turning people into horses and make them slaves and then they go into this company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, what do you do in that situation? That's like, I don't know if that's the actual joke it's trying to get at, but like put yourself in his shoes. What do you do? Who do you call about like the horse people that you just discovered? I don't think there a is a journalist, I guess. Yeah, I just don't think it's it'll probably work. You need like a certain amount of credibility to be like a whistleblower and like a, some kind of paper trail. But not even like a yeah, I mean, there's it's one thing to be like a whistleblower, it's another thing to be like a whistleblower of something that doesn't even make sense. Oh, sure. To like sure. a normal person. Yeah. Well, that's never happened cuz there's no like, you know, in real life there's no like magic or well, just imagine like the craziest conspiracy theorist you've ever heard on like all gas, no breaks, and they are like exactly right. Like, how do you give that person more credibility? I don't know. For me, it's not even an issue because I'm like, what you're, you're saying sounds crazy and I know it can't be right. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where I start from. Mm-hmm. If it's like, you know, obviously crazy sounding conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. For more sane sounding conspiracy theories, I'm just like, why would I take your word for it, man? Mm-hmm. That's why I take that approach for that one. And for for reasonable sounding conspiracy theories, I'm, I'll just shrug and say like, well, you know. Maybe. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's a good approach. Yeah. All right. Where do you want to go from here? We could uh, take a break. could take a quick intermission here, refill, or do something else, then come back. All right, we're going to make some more drinks. And we're back. And we're back. Welcome back to the hole. To the film hole. What else do we need to say about this this film here? Um, What is there to say about it? Patton Oswalt's in it. We could talk about the voices a little bit. Yeah. Like David Cross and Patton Oswalt. Let's talk um, about that. I think that's like one of the most distinctive things from the movie that has so many like crazy things in it this one i liked quite a bit uh so we set this up a little bit earlier where the way that the telemarketer gets ahead is he adopts a quote-unquote white voice and it makes it seem like he is just doing his best like white voice but it comes out of his mouth as david cross's voice Mm -hmm. just a bad overdub you should know David Cross from such things as uh, Arrested Development. Mr. Show. He was in Toy Soldiers. Small Soldiers. Small Soldiers. The the action figure movie from the 90s. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just watched that recently. Yeah, I remember you watched that. Yeah. He's also in Men in Black, both of them, or the first two. Oh, what was his character? He in the first one Pedestrian guy. was like the receptionist at the morgue. That's right. I think. <laughs> And then uh, the second one, it's been a long time since I've seen the second one, but like, I think I made this connection where he's like the only guy that like could believably still be alive that encountered the cockroach alien that maybe his like memory wasn't wiped. But in the, uh, in the second movie, he's this like crazy, like conspiracy theorist about aliens. Uh Uh-huh. And to me, maybe this is not canon, but to me, I always interpreted that like, oh, like someone just like missed him like in the first movie. Like he's the only one who just like didn't get his memory like reset 
So he like continued on and believing in aliens into the second movie, and that's why he's nuts. That sounds pretty firm. Is it clear that it's the same character or no? It's just it's David not, Cross again on the it's screen. It's not clear. But and that it, seems like it's, you know. And it's it's been a long time since I've seen it. So that maybe, seems like the first place your mind would go. Yeah. It's, it's the same guy. It's been a long time. So I don't know. Like, there's maybe some pieces missing there for me. Uh-huh. But anyways, David Cross is in Sorry to, Brav- Sorry to Bother You as the white voice. And uh, uh-huh. do you want to do your best David Cross? Dude, I can't even do it. It's like. Hello. Hi. Uh, welcome to the film hole. Ha <laughs> ha. I just sound like David Lynch. With Ra- Raul <laughs> Flores. That just is David Lynch. That's both of our David Lynches. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. I don't know, like, the... I don't know, like, the finer points of, like, what makes up David uh, okay. Cross's voice. I learned uh, from Arrested Development, you get a lot of his vocal styles. Okay. I'm a never nude. I, I'll be honest. I really hate his voice. And it makes me dislike him as an actor but like his voice in particular like i really don't like it that's really big of trevor because he sounds exactly like a huge fucking nerd and the fact that you find that distasteful just shows you your true colors yeah i hate nerds <laughs> i just like i hate him i i just like absolutely destroyed him yeah. while also making you feel bad about it mm-hmm. but it's like i don't, don't know. say that trevor that guy sounds like a real like annoying guy you probably would beat him up in high school if you hadn't known him in person, even though you never did that. I don't know what it is, dude. I, there's just something about the voice that really, like, I don't know, makes my, like, eardrum, like, crinkle up. <laughs> it's bad. Uh, but it's funny because it's, like, the, sh- the movie is, like, acknowledging that he has, like, the whitest voice ever made by God. And Patton Oswalt, same thing. Like, maybe just slightly to a lesser degree. He's, mm-hmm. like, second place as far as, like, very white voices go. Yeah. And this movie lines it up perfectly. It's a pretty funny plot device when they, f- when they first bring it out. The first time they do it is when he is talking to his coworker, this, like, older black man who's been doing this phone game for a while. And after a while of, like, seeing him not succeed, he, like, finally, like, leans over and, like, tells him, like, like hey, man, like, well, you gotta you got to make your voice, like, white. Mm-hmm. so people will like not hang up on you yeah and then um they're talking for a little bit a few minutes and then he uh, drops his white voice donny glover is that guy donny glover worth mentioning yeah yeah mm-hmm. and that's the first time that they like introduced this movie device of putting an overdubbed really white sounding voice over these actors mm-hmm. and you had mentioned that like stacy like thought that was like a technical shortcoming uh-huh. right you explain that uh-huh my partner didn't like immediately catch on to this being like an intentional plot device and thought like that maybe just like they couldn't get a white voice out of the actors and so they ha- had to like be creative about it. Uh-huh. But that's sort of vi- sort of fightably false because we know that the the main actor guy, Mr. Lakeith Stanfield, did a white voice himself in Get Out. Yeah, he where did. he played a um, a black man who was enslaved brainwashed who who was they put a white person inside his brain yes go watch that movie (laughs) and then so he had to play like an. that's all the explanation of get out yeah (laughs) (laughs) go watch that movie if you haven't 
Is that all you're gonna say? That's all I got about it. About it. There's uh, I'm I'm curious as to like what Patton Oswalt and like David Cross like thought about that. They're like, you guys are obviously have like the whitest voices we've ever heard. It's like, it's like the same level of like white as like Dave Chappelle's like impression of like a white, <laughs> of a white person. Yeah. It's like a. What's the word I'm looking for? It's like the archetypal like comedic white voice right but those guys have that naturally there's no like added added spice to it i feel like they absolutely know it and just take it in stride mm-hmm. so like you know um david cross's agent calls him and he's like um david so i, I got a part that might be interesting to you um you know of course that you have the whitest voice in america uh-huh <laughs> So I have a voiceover role with you where you'll be basically, you know, be overdubbing an African-American character. Oh, well, that sounds good. You know, back in the 90s. And then, he, you know, just talks for 30 minutes. Yeah. I I don't really know what to. Uh, like what to make of the voices other than just that, like sounding white, like makes you advance further in your career. If you're like a person of color. I think that's it. Is, is like that as, as deep as it goes. This movie is, is obviously a social commentary movie and it has a lot of stuff in it. And so I just think it makes like a lot of, I don't know if it makes like any huge overarching points throughout, but I think they threw a lot of stuff in it. It seems like it's just like, it's like too obvious, you know? Yeah, sure. It seems sure, like sure. I'm, I'm scrapping for like more. It's like a Spike Lee movie. For, <laughs> it's like, I feel like there should be more subtext to beyond like what it very obviously is on screen but there doesn't seem to be no there doesn't seem to be i think to to a large extent like the the pacing of like the story and just how like crazy it gets helps a lot and like making that okay like it doesn't like spike lee movie sometimes i'm like 30 minutes in i'm like okay i get it yeah and we, then we you talk, have another hour of movie. Yeah, we talked about this with like the Five Bloods, yeah. where there's there's a lot of stuff socially, politically being said, but like it's just in your face. Like there's no right, there's no like sleight of hand with the uh, the metaphors and like the commentary with Spike Lee stuff. At least mm-hmm. in like my very limited experience with him. The two movies that I've seen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this movie, I think overall, it's like it, it hammers all those messages in. It's almost like a machine gun of social commentary. But then it also has this really outrageous plot that keeps stringing you along. Yeah. And a lot of great individual scenes, you know, that we haven't even like mentioned that stand out on their own that are really interesting. Yeah. The Girlfriend's Art Show. I want to talk. I want to talk more about those individual scenes, but really quick, I like what you said about like a lot of what we said maybe seems like we interpret this movie negatively, that there's not a lot of uh, subtext beyond what's on screen. And uh, it's like pretty disjointed, like the movie like keeps changing throughout. But I think that's exactly what makes it great. Sure. I think that like the movie like doesn't subscribe to any sort of norms about filmmaking mm-hmm. and that's what makes it a really like unique watching experience and it's well done i should say too like it's on a very technical level like a basic technical level it's great 
but just it's like surrealism and how it doesn't subscribe to any sort of normal narrative techniques within filmmaking uh i can like put aside e- put aside even is like the wrong way to talk about it because like the commentary like does what it's supposed to do mm-hmm. the very like basic subtext it does what it's supposed to do but it's just like entertaining like it's entertaining for like all of those reasons it's just like a fun thing to watch even if yeah even if you gloss right over all of like the socio-political like stuff that it's saying yeah it's just like this crazy like series of events i think it's a good like um addition to kind of the american dystopian movie canon mm-hmm. i think it like works really well on that level as well mm-hmm. and it certainly is watchable mm-hmm. like we decided on this movie so quickly like trevor and i were perusing through movie options Mm -hmm. and then this one came up in discussion um and within the minute we're like pulling the trigger on it yeah which you know if you've ever been in like a group movie watching decision kind of setting Mm -hmm. you know very apprehensive i did this thing once uh with chris and savannah you might appreciate this or think this is stupid but like that group uh movie playlist i have that i showed you Remember that? What's it? It's on my Plex library. It's just like a group, like a list of movies that are all like, gr- uh, like low ball or like low risk, uh, group watching movies. I don't remember this at all. Maybe I showed this to Justin. But uh-huh. anyways, that exists. That's cool. in my Plex library. You put, you decided. On I that. curated it based on like my collection, <laughs> and it was because like, Whoa. Chris and Savannah aren't like big like movie watchers. Uh huh. Or at least not in the same way that we are. Yeah. And so I created this movie, uh, this movie list to pick stuff from for them. Can I interject real fast? Quick yeah. story. One time I tried showing a scanner darkly to my sister and a mm-hmm. neighbor friend of mine who's in my class, mm-hmm. and they left 30 minutes in, and I watched the rest of the movie by myself. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. <laughs> They're like, this movie is weird, and then they just Aww. left. That's a sad story. I bought the Blu-ray and put it in my Blu-ray player. Oh. Well, good on you, because that's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, we did this like very intricate, like political, like voting system on like what movie we would watch. We went through like every movie like on the list and like gave them like a rating. And then we like pooled all of like the ratings and just like let the numbers like speak for themselves. Oh, that's great. Uh, and then the, uh, the movie that came out on top was like Willy Wonka on the Chocolate Factory. Nice. And what I did, deter- what I learned from that exercise is that like it's the movie that's like the most middle of the road for everybody. Uh huh. You know, so it's not like a super. So it gains a a few points from every single person. Yeah, but it wasn't like a an amazing like watching experience for any one person. It was just like this is good. <laughs> this is a space where I think there's a lot of room for improvement with algorithms. So like recommendation algorithms are really good at trying to match movies that you like with your preferences with your viewing history to stuff that you might like in the future mm-hmm. but i think like something that can combine the interests of many people and try to kind of like optimize for the best group movie mm-hmm. i swear to god that is a billion dollar idea to try and like uh create the best possible venn diagram for everybody in the room yeah for their tastes either like an automated thing that just tells you the movie i think that's kind of boring Um, or a board game brought to you by milton brantley i mean come on (laughs) that you play and then the 
the by the end of the game you'll essentially have like picked a movie uh-huh. that fits the group that's what we did but it wasn't in the form of a board game well it has to be the fourth milton bradley won't jump in unless they uh it's on cardboard so we, we didn't mention this off the top but i had seen this movie before this was your first time watching the movie did i completely ruin the experience by like alluding to its craziness the entire time you didn't ruin it you definitely lessened the blow of it damn it by like saying like you're not ready for this the end of this movie which you said multiple times I said like five times which i was like okay there's gonna be something really out of left field in the third <laughs> act of this movie so i was expecting something but i couldn't have anticipated it would be like the horse mutants so yeah that was it's, still it's retained some shock literally factor. unpredictable yeah uh did you want to talk about really briefly before we get too into final thoughts, the uh, other scenes that we had mentioned, like his girlfriend? Oh, sure, sure. I didn't write any of them down, but we can kind of like go off. Yeah, so like top of my memories, Emma Thompson is I think her name, that actress's name, mm-hmm. and she's like a performance artist, which is already like a weird thing, like performance art, mm-hmm. and like it's contained within like a very like absurdist surreal film so it's like performance art like twice removed from reality right right which makes it more fun mm-hmm. uh i can't really think of much of what she did other than um that one thing where she has like the leather like hands as a bikini it's mm-hmm. like two like big leather hands as a bikini and like she encourages the crowd to like throw uh vegetables cell phones batteries and not maybe not gun shells gun that's right used used bullet casings and like uh water balloons full of blood and then cell phones and cell phones those three things while she delivers a monologue of some kind right right uh and she's also a sign twirler during the day yeah yeah and also wears like amazing earrings throughout the whole movie earrings just, that like, like say something yeah yeah they're like huge lettering and they say something can you think of any examples one of them was like bury your face in something uh-huh they were pretty provocative all of them yeah i can't i i, I couldn't tell you it's it's a good gag but i don't know yeah it's a movie that's very visual, and they may, maybe we haven't like done it like its full justice by breaking down all the scenes, just because I haven't taken note of them. But there's like great stuff throughout. I love their where the guy lives at the beginning of the movie, and at the end too, the garage, his like uncle's garage, yeah. Terry Crews's garage. Yeah, Terry Crews is in this movie. I forgot that. Yeah, with yeah. hair, with hair, a full head of hair. Uh. And so that just goes towards more like, you know, urban poverty. Um, I was talking to my sister the other day about how like our cousins that grew up and still live in L.A. Obviously, urban places have much higher prices for like real estate. So um, if you're a, a kid growing up in your parents' household and you want to move out, you know, towards the end of your teenage years, that's something that just like is not as much of an option. Yes. So... In big cities like LA, it's, you know, I would say probably more often than not to live with your parents for a prolonged period of time. And I have a cousin that 
that has like a very similar living situation to the character of this movie where they just like live in their parents garage your uh, your cousin lives in a garage uh-huh of your i guess what would be your uncle or aunt uh-huh that's like exactly this character yeah it's exactly <laughs> that huh um i guess so the the person is their parents probably right instead of the the uncle it's their parents right yeah. it's yeah. very confusing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> But that's, like, not uncommon. And so I just think that was in the movie just to, like, establish the fact that we're dealing with, like, in an, an urban city poor population that has to deal with, like, urban city problems. Housing being one of the big ones. Because he's, like, about to be kicked out when the movie begins. Mm-hmm. Mm, just money issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, I don't. I don't feel like there's much more that I can say about this any specific part of this movie i think i'm ready for i want to get the shit kicked out of me (laughs) what'd you think of that it's great it's very it's very like idiocracy on Mm -hmm. my balls yeah this fake really absurd tv show that's just saying something about like the devolution of like entertainment Mm -hmm. in, in this like dystopian future right right it's the same thing as All My Balls and Idiocracy. But, yeah. like, you said that you like this more than All My Balls. Oh, yeah. Not like, for, like, it's just, at least All My Balls at least has, like, some narrative structure to it. Uh-huh. Like, uh, <laughs> I got the shit kicked out of me is, like, literally nothing else but, like, a person getting beat up on camera. Like, How... something you would find on Live Leak. Uh-huh. All My Balls has, like, story, you know? Yeah. He first gets his balls kicked in this place and that sends him flying to the next place. Yeah. It's really like splitting hairs here, though, because they're on the same playing field. Like they are uh, they are contemporaries, those two shows. Yeah. But this is a good example of just like how the show fits a lot of different messages into itself. Mm -hmm. And this one is like this is not a new message at all. You know, I think like Itchy and Scratchy from The Simpsons basically has the same purpose mm-hmm. of just serving as like a satirization of violent television. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just the exact same thing, but it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I like this, uh, like trying to come up with more examples of uh, fake TV shows that either satirize violence or just try to say something like really in broad strokes about like the culture mm-hmm. of anything. But I don't, have, I don't have any more examples of them. Those three. There's plenty of other examples like, but I can't think of any. Yeah. yeah. Fake TV shows. Yeah. So with that, I think yeah, that's a like good, a... that's a good spot to move into final thoughts. Yeah. Let's, let's go ahead I'd and finish say. it up here. What do you think? Well, I think you're this, the, I'll let you start because you this is a new movie for you. I'll be honest, this movie like I didn't like I wasn't super excited about. It. It's been in my queue for a long time, but like no one had like sufficiently explained to me like why it was something good to watch. And the director, you know, has no uh no like past work to reference. Mm-hmm. So I was like what's like who cares about this movie? So I think just us watching it on a whim was like the best possible way to watch it uh no expectations so i was just fully like immersed in the whole uh subversion of expectations that is this movie and i 
like really really enjoyed it like the movie's jumping all over the place i said this earlier but like crazy watchability for that reason uh there's nothing even like the movie the movie was like jumping around with what it's saying like in subtext and just like the crazy shenanigans of the plot like, all of that just, like, adds to the flavor of this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think even just, like, it being the directorial debut of uh, Boots Riley, that, like, that makes it more appealing. It's not some guy who has this, like, built-up portfolio where you're like, oh, this doesn't really feel like the best Boots Riley movie. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. It's just, like, straight, like, brand-new, fresh director content, which is also really, really good. So for those reasons, I just enjoyed watching it. And then just, uh, I don't know, all the things that we've talked about, like, before this. It's, like, that's the best reflection of, like, my perception of the movie is I just really enjoyed, like, not knowing anything. Mm -hmm. And I would give this movie a 8.5... leather hand bikinis out of 10 nice okay i'll um i'll be shorter because I, I don't have much to say about this movie i've seen it before i knew that it would be a good watch i think this would be a good group movie to put in the list mm. because um it's not a movie that you have to appreciate on a super like deep or artistic level it just like is a crazy movie and it says a lot of like things about social you know social commentary that you can talk about it's a good movie to talk about and just like dissect a little bit mm-hmm. while still offering a lot of comedy and absurdism mm-hmm. a lot of that good stuff i think it's like what's i want those two spike lee movies to be mm-hmm. like it's it's saying something important but it's like it's not giving you so much subtext that it's like a an extremely dense movie that requires uh, extremely thorough, long-winded conversation, but it is not sacrificing like entertainment value. Right, right. It's like the perfect like blend of relevance and watchability. I think this movie could be watched by like, a lot of people, and they would just like it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how well it did overall, um, ticket sales and all that, but I think it would play well in a lot of places. And it was a movie that, like, the only, the only reason we watched it is because it, it came up on Hulu or something. He's on Plex. Um, no, when I watched it for the first time. Oh, okay. Like, Stacey and I were browsing, and we found it, and we recognized the guy from We Watched Get Out, and then that's all we needed to know. And then we watched it and loved it. Mm-hmm. And here I am, sharing it with my friends. Mm-hmm. Brought to you by Milton Bradley. I mean, come on, boys. That's the best place to cut to the music, I'd say. <laughs> Thanks for listening this week. Our music is by W. Look him up at underscore W on Instagram. That's underscore the word double and two U's. Editing this week was done by me, Raul Flores. Wherever you're listening, please give us a good rating. Connect with us at at filmholepod on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Uh, special thanks to Brady Goodman for hosting stuff always. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Brady. <laughs>